that you got a leadership that really don't care about the least of these. But that same leadership claimed that they got a monopoly on Christianity. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another fantastic episode. This will probably be our greatest episode yet uh, of Alabama politics this week. Uh, I am Josh Moon. Uh, that other person here hearing is David Person. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, because we got some good stuff. Uh, Representative Mary Moore is going to come on with us, and she's always excellent. She's been on with us before, and uh, she is. She's very good uh, and, and has a history unlike uh, most people uh, in, the, in the state and uh, has a unique perspective on things. And I, th- I imagine she will have a very unique perspective on the prison uh, situation that is uh, we are currently undergoing in our Alabama legislature. Uh, and that's you know kind of what we're going to open up with, and we're also going to talk about the uh, Supreme Court, and you know maybe maybe we'll give you some more TV stuff, and 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 if you're lucky, sports. We'll, we could do sports for a little while uh, because you know the Braves are a game away from clinching this thing. Uh, so yeah, you know we're we're okay. Uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Auburn could be better, but. You know, we've got other things. We've got other things we're doing. Uh, But let's, uh, I mean, if that's okay, I mean, you know, I know David likes it when we talk sports. Hey, you know, sports is cool. You know, I'm a sports guy. I'm just not a college football guy, but I'm a sports guy. So let's do it. So basically, David's a communist. All right. So Uh, um, I'm I'm agnostic on college sports. I prefer that. (laughs) That's that's not allowed. Um, All right, so let's let's talk, Prince Scott, and we're going to talk some more about this with, with Mary Moore as well. But just you know, kind of opening with a with a broad perspective here of this, um, it looks like we're we're going to have uh, prisons by the end of the week, uh, a prison bill, anyways. Whether or not it holds up will will be dependent somewhat on the Treasury and the federal government, uh, as uh, Jerry Nadler, New York Congressman, has asked uh, the Treasury to to. St- to stop us from using, which seems, uh, this sentence is so absurd when you say it out loud. They've asked us to stop using COVID money to build new prisons. Mm -hmm. So, um, which seems honestly pretty fair. Uh, Mm -hmm. It does does seem really fair that uh, they they don't want that money used for that. Um, And so... um, Because that's not what it's for. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, you know, we can rationalize... You know, well, there'll be some derivative benefits, you know, mm-hmm. related to COVID, but that's not what it's for. No, it's not. And and anybody that that tries that tells you everything you need to know about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, uh, it's this is uh, you know they've said themselves this is a can that we've kicked down the road for decades now, um, and and it's because of our indifference as a state. It's not just the political leaders that are there. It's our uh, voters, uh, you know, the general public. We don't we don't care. We don't care to have a better system, a better corrections system than the one we currently have. Uh, we are perfectly fine with taking quote unquote bad people, putting them in a uh, a place away from the rest of us, locking them up, and not giving a shit what happens to them. That's yeah. what our policy has been uh, when. Actually, if you just take the name itself, the Department of Corrections, would would it would seem to indicate that our goal is to have some corrective action towards these folks uh, that that we were gonna ha- we were gonna punish them for what they did, which is fine. Nobody has a problem with with punishing people for what they've done. Uh, but then we were also going to correct that behavior in some way. Uh, in such a way that it benefits us as a general society, and you know we have we have programs that they have let languish and die. Uh, we ha- educational and training and you know what all all sorts of things that we've had previously that some still exist in a in a lesser form, but a lot of them have died off, and we don't really put much effort into them anymore. Um, you know we treat the people like animals. They go in as basically you know, low level criminals and they come out completely altered and changed and worse. Uh, So we're not making the situation for these people better. We're making it worse for them and for society as a whole. We're making the whole, we're we're failing all the way around. Um, In addition, we're, we're treating them inhumanely as the Trump DOJ has said, you know how bad you got to treat some people for the Trump DOJ to say, listen, y'all are really screwing this up. Yeah. Uh, 
for yeah, and that started, I think, under Sessions, did it not? I mean, wasn't, oh, wasn't that under doesn't him? everything? Where he no, but I'm saying specifically yeah. where yeah. when he was at the DOJ, I think that's where the scrutiny, some of the scrutiny under that administration started. Um, and, I think it came a little bit after Sessions. sessions. Yeah, was it after cause, Sessions? Yeah, oh, there's okay. there's no okay. way there's no way Jeff did that. Uh, there's no way Sessions did that. Well, uh, I was going to say I, that would be, that that doubles the irony for me if it yeah. were under Sessions. But nonetheless, yeah. your point is exactly right. You, you know. How it must be really hellish if the Trump yeah. DOJ was saying, you know, you guys are doing it wrong in Alabama. You need to make some changes. But, <laughs> but we know this has been a a, a long a long problem, a, a, an ongoing problem for many years. And what I don't understand is what you just alluded to, Josh, which is if for no other reason than for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. we should be saying. Let us maximize the opportunity to 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 ensure or to try to ensure to try to give us the best chance at reducing recidivism, at giving these uh, these convicted persons, whether they were innocent or guilty. And we know sometimes innocent people are convicted as well. We don't need to ignore that. But whether Mm -hmm. innocent or guilty, let's try to maximize the opportunity for them to have better lives going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't have a GED, let's make sure they get a GED. Yeah. You know, if they're on drugs, let's make sure, first of all, that we're not trafficking drugs in the prisons. Mm-hmm. Secondly, let's make sure that they have uh, uh, ample opportunity to rehabilitate from drug mm-hmm. addiction. You know, let's, 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 let's get them on track to get employment. Maybe we mm-hmm. can even cultivate some entrepreneurs, you know, yeah in here that can come out and do more than, you know, you know, go back to criminal enterprise if that's what they were doing beforehand or fall into it if they weren't. I mean, we're not doing any of that. That would that would all benefit society. It would make society safer when people are released. It would make families more whole. But we're Mm -hmm. not doing any of that. No, it's just stunning to me. Well, you know, and, and what we are doing, we're failing it, uh, and we're putting forth so little effort that it's a that it's, it might we might as well not be doing it. Um, and you listen, you know, we I've said many times, um, and as a matter of fact, I've said it to him uh, to the to to the guy running our corrections department, Jeff Dunn. Uh, there is nothing that the Department of Corrections is currently doing that they're not failing at. I mean, mm-hmm. really, there's there's not a single aspect of what we what we call our Department of Corrections that isn't failing miserably. Um, and, and at some point you've got to take a step back and say, well, what we're doing is, is, is not working. We've got to do some things differently in some way or another. I mean, and it just, I think it all kind of goes back to this mindset of, of once these people land in prison, they're somehow less humans than, than they were just prior to that, no matter what their crime was. And I mean, we're talking about people who are in jail for, for drug possession and, uh, you know, even, even selling drugs, you know, and, uh, it is, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a minor thing in the overall scheme of life. Uh, you know, when we're talking about what you could do with, with these people and then we, we send them to these places and the environment within them, but within those walls further corrupts them. You know, it, it, it creates it's a corrupting influence on the people that we send there. We send in low level criminals and we get back high level criminals. I mean, it's just it's a it's it's completely opposite of what we should be attempting to do. And, uh, you know, it. so now our, our great plan for this is we're going to spend one point two or probably one point five or so billion dollars over the course of however many years, uh, four hundred million of it being COVID money that we that should go to small businesses or to help people that are struggling or whatever, uh, but it's going to go to building these prisons and we're going to build two gigantic men's prisons, uh, four thousand beds each, which will not increase the beds. Matter of fact, we're going to lose beds overall. So we're still going to have the overcrowding problem, uh, although they're going to be separated into pods. You know, we're going to have the meth pod and the heroin pod and, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, these these different pods that we have at, at these new prisons. Mm-hmm. And so but it doesn't it doesn't address anything else. It's, yeah. it's not you know, we'll have facilities at these places that can be used for for certain things, but we're not going to address 
any of the other outstanding issues uh, that, that's present in that lawsuit from the DOJ. So what's probably going to happen is, is we're going to spend $1.5 billion or so, and then the feds are still going to take us over. <laughs> yeah, after all is said and done. Yeah. yeah. So let, let me ask you this. Have you have you ever been inside of, uh, of, of one of our prisons? Yes, one of them, oh. yes. Okay. Down in Atmore, one in Atmore. Okay, so you've been in Atmore. I've been in Limestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I remember the first time I went into Limestone Prison. I walked into you know after you go through the gates and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We we walked into a gymnasium that was full of prisoners, probably three hundred or four hundred. I don't remember. Uh, and I looked around and I thought to myself. As I as I really assessed where I was, it dawned on me. It's like there are all these prisoners here, and there may have been ten guards. If yeah, they, right, right. And and then the reality really sunk in that if something happened, and of course nothing did, thank God. But if something had happened in there, if somebody had gotten agitated or in a fight or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just going to be, there was going to be a serious problem for yeah. for everybody, including the guards and including those of us who were civilians. So now we're talking about building, as you just said, facilities that will house 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. 4,000 people. Based on the current situation, based on what has been the history there isn't going to be, they're going to be severely under-resourced on top of everything else you said, just from a yes. human resources standpoint. They're not going to have the level of, of employees that they need to have to manage effectively nope. 4,000 people. So nope. what kind of problems is that going to create? A lot. Uh, and 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 I'll tell you this, there's no way in hell there are only going to be 4,000 in there because uh, currently we have a, a, an excess of state prisoners that are being housed in county mm. facilities. Mm. Um, in, in addition to the places that we're going to close down and move those prisoners to these new prisons, we also have thousands of prisoners, of state prisoners that should be going to to state facilities and will once these prisons are, are built, uh, they they're now being housed in county facilities, and so we're going to we're going to exceed we're going to overcrowd them immediately, basically, <laughs> and and we and we still have not addressed, and that's one of the things in the DOJ uh, uh, lawsuit is it, we don't have enough guards, uh, you know we're not we don't have enough people that. You know, uh, Bill and Susan Britt, who I work for at, at APR, uh, they went to uh, one of the other prisons and they were telling us a story one time of talking to this guard. And it was, uh, and, and he was, I believe, matter of fact, I believe it was a female guard. And on the floor that she was responsible for, there were 300 inmates. And it was her. That's it. Solo. Solo. She was wow. by herself. Wow. Yeah. And if something happened, she just backed out of the room. And that's about, that was the only, that was her only option. You know, I mean, uh, you know, she could blow the whistle or, you know, fire a gun in the air, I guess. But I mean, I, but I don't, I don't actually well, think she had a gun. Well, they're not even allowed to have Yeah, they're, guns, they're not even allowed, allowed to have a gun, but, yeah. uh, you know, in there because, you know, rightfully so, you, you mm-hmm. have a one guard with 300 inmates and all of a sudden the gun is in play. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, this is not, you know, these aren't Shawshank, although, you know, our, our legislators are, do have the mindset of the warden from Shawshank, apparently. Mm. Um, and, and because legitimately, you know, one of the in this prison thing that's going to pass uh, a counter to this was we're also we'll do this. We'll, we'll pass this bill and build these stupid prisons. But we also need some reform measures. Uh, put in place. Uh, so they, they passed one minor little reform measure. But the big one was passing a uh, a reform measure that made—actually, it wasn't even a reform measure. It was expanding a reform measure to make it retroactive. And it basically allowed for people to go on supervised release, uh, you know, uh, nonviolent prisoners. that they, right. they were required to put them on supervised release for a period of time. Now, the reason they didn't want to do this, one of the reasons they didn't want to do this, 
is because doing so cut down on the prison work program of hmm. eligible people. Now, if you don't know, hmm. the prison work program is basically slave labor is what it is. I was just going to say, it, yeah. it sounds like a replay mm -hmm. of what happened at the turn of the 20th century when mm -hmm. there was a rise in, in what was called convict leasing. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's convict yeah. leasing imported into the 21st century, which, as you said, back then was tantamount to slavery, and today mm -hmm. is tantamount to slavery. Yeah. It, I mean, it, they were paying, what, 75 cents a day, I believe, is what they yeah. get paid. So, um, and, so it's not completely free labor, yeah. but it's so damn near close to that. I mean, yeah, it might it's, as well. slave, it's, it's yeah. slavery, you know. Yeah, you, yeah. And, and these are the people that cut the grass, clean the, clean the governor's mansion, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So that's how, let me tell you, that's how dangerous they are. They're roaming free at the governor's mansion, you know, but right. we can't let them out on supervised release so they could go and get a real job and better themselves and start right. get, getting back into society because, right. damn it, we got to clean the China at the governor's mansion. Right. And, you know, and, and listen, I'll tell you another portion of this is uh, parole for those folks on, on, in those, in those low-level work programs mm -hmm. have dropped 90% over the mm. last five years. 90% fewer paroles in that group of people than there were. And, and they we should be the why. highest parole right. group because they've already proven that they're nonviolent and yeah. they've been out working around with people all the time. Yeah. So, you know, but. But we know yeah. why. We know yeah, why. Of course because we know again, why. This is convict leasing. That's what yes. it is. Yeah. You know, so, my God. My God. Think about the imagery too, Josh. Okay, so. You got people, I mean, just not only, you know, uh, whatever happens with corporations, but specifically with the government. Mm -hmm. If that's not a, a, a modern, if that's it's not slavery, a modern. slavery, man. That's what it's I was going to say. You know, you, you got, I mean, the image of prisoners taking care of the big house, the governor's mm -hmm. mansion. Mm -hmm. If that's not a damn plantation image, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I mean, honestly, it's got uh, it's got everything that you would, you know, that, that you would have in such a uh, it just Lord, doesn't. It's it's such a it's such a horrible thing. It really is. It really it is, is a horrible uh, the is. way that we do it. And, it. and it's but it's part of this larger, horrible system that we've created here. And, you know, it just. There, there has been some change recently because there's been a whole lot of white people go to jail because of the opioid epidemic. Um, and so there, there, there's been some change in mindset, uh, you know, and we've got some some reforms out of this. But there's all the usual people pushing back on this stuff, the DAs who I, I don't know what the hell happens to a, to a person when they become a district attorney, uh, you know, that that forces you then to just be the most cruel and uh, I, I mean, it just vindictive person in in the world. Uh, but you know they they're pushing they push back hard on this uh, on all sorts of reforms and uh, you know because and they'll take one example of somebody that gets out of jail and then goes and commits another crime. In some cases, a very bad, horrible crime. Uh, you know, and but that's life. You know, I mean, what what are you going to do? The, those people were out roaming free when they when they. Uh, committed, committed the, the crime person. to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you, the only thing you can do is, is set up a system that kind of helps people along and, and do what you can. But the, the issue, the biggest issue here for me, I don't have any problem building the prisons. I'm fine with building the prisons. It's the fact that you're not doing anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not helping anybody do well, anything. Well, and I think, you know, my problem with, Building the prisons, I'm, I'm going to differ with you a little bit because my problem with building the prisons is that, as we said earlier, it doesn't address the deeper seated issues. It's so, mm -hmm. so really to me, what we're doing is we're spending a lot of money for something that in the final analysis isn't going to change anything, isn't going to improve anything for the state, and is really just going to dig a deeper hole for the state. What mm -hmm. I wish the legislature would do and the governor would do is really look holistically at the problem and and figure out what is it going to take for us to yeah. do the right thing for the state of Alabama so that we can truly move forward and then let's do that. 
But just to simply say, well, we're going to build a we're going to build, you know, we're going to spend one point five or whatever it is, billion dollars on prisons. To me, you're just basically you're feeding an industry. That's all you're Mm -hmm. really doing. You're just you're feeding the prison industrial complex. You're enabling, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're creating an economy, a sort of a subset of the economy that is being driven by something that ultimately is, is just going to damage, further damage the very people that we're supposed to be trying to, to serve here. That's yeah. the way it looks to me. Well, I think the only way to get them to look at it holistically is to explain to them what holistically means. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know how, how far we're going to get. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, 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 I'll say this. The one reason I don't have a problem with um, with them building the prisons is because I think some of the prisons themselves are cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they lack air conditioning. Uh, they like basic, uh, you know, facilities. They mm-hmm. like, you know, some of them have, have mold growing in places that That's are that sickened That's people, uh, you know, but, but, and they, you know, they, they like running water and clean water and a lot of, at a lot of times. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, that would, that's going to help possibly make, uh, you know, listen, I don't want it to be a country club or anything, but right. I don't want them to be treated in, in a way that's inhumane. Right. I don't, I don't, if, if we're, if we're setting in judgment of these people, then we've got to establish ourselves as people worthy of setting in judgment hmm. uh, at, at some point, you know, that's the truth. And, and, that's the truth. and so, you know, if you don't, if, if you're not, if you're going to treat people worse than what the, the damn crimes that they've committed, mm-hmm. then you're no, you're worse than they are. That's right. I mean, you, you know, you, there's no reason to do that. And, no moral and, high and yeah, and yeah. and not to mention it it doesn't make any it doesn't better anything. It doesn't better anything for anybody, us included. Mm-hmm. You know, us on the outside included. And so that's why you know, to me I think that the building of the prisons is okay because we've let some of these prisons languish for so long that there there's no repairing the damages and things that are that are going on inside. But, you know, um outside of that, I just I just think that you know, we we've got a system here that is thoroughly broken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and unless we do make some major changes uh, to it, it it's just going to continue to fail us every single day. And worse, it's going to continue to fail, you know, people. Uh, it's going to continue to fail the people on the inside uh, to the point where, you know, they, they don't they're not part of a society anymore. You know, they're, they're not, they're not part of, of us. And I don't know why that, that anybody would be okay with that. I, I don't, uh, you know, if you can, if you can help these thousands of people, cause we're talking about thousands of people, mm-hmm. you know, if you could help them be better versus what you're doing and it all costs the same, yeah. why wouldn't you do that? You know, exactly. I, I just, and, and I, and I'm just going to throw in here because, you know, we love to talk about, you know, what a Christian state we are and how we're godly people and all of this. Well, you know, uh, the, the way we run the prisons in this state is the antithesis of the message of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah. for whatever it's worth, if you care anything about your, you know, your Sunday school class or your you know, your, 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 your church choir and all of that other stuff, but you have no room in your heart to consider the lack of righteousness in our prison system, mm-hmm. then all of that other stuff is a waste of time. It's a facade. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said. I tell you, I tell you what, we'll, uh, actually there is because we're going to get Mary Moore on here in just a second and she's going <laughs> to, we're going to talk some more about it, but we're going to get more into the process and, yeah. and what life was like dealing with the Republicans on this. And so, uh, we'll, I tell you what, let's slide out. We'll get, uh, representative Mary Moore in here and, uh, be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. The power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't. Um, is kind of an old boys club. And we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option 
um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like they do. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give, give people an example of, of what you could do. If, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission or they wanted to run for, for you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online to have everything set up and running smoothly. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up, um, is a ad buying platform. So you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep, so we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me, SCClayton5. Um, you can email me, Beth, at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. All righty, welcome back in Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to uh, have Representative Mary Moore. On, uh, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we're we're always happy when when she has a little bit of time to join us because she has such a a unique and and, and really refreshing perspective on things. And uh, this week uh, in particular, I think has been um, <laughs> one of uh, I I don't even know how to the absurdity and um, and really just questionable decision-making on the part of our, our lawmakers, uh, particularly on the Republican side. Um, and, you know, Maria, I know you were there. Uh, first of all, well, welcome and thank you for, for joining us. Yeah. Hey, thank you for asking me. <laughs> I, I, I know you were there and, and were involved in all of the discussions and all of the negotiations and things. What, what I guess, what was your overall takeaway when when you at the end of the week here, when these things have, have now passed, except for, of course, the reform bill, uh, which was just a bridge too far, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. But what what was what was your overall takeaway from this week? My takeaway is that for some reason, um, the majority members of the legislature want to get their hands on $400 million to be used. Now, the question that we've had is, has the federal government given you the okay to build, to use that $400 million? No response. We talked to our physical person to ask the question, what if by the time the federal government gives their response and say, it's unconstitutional, illegal, for Alabama to use $400 million of the COVID money to be a prison. What happens then? Mm-hmm. So what we were told is we'd have to pay the money back. Now think about this. COVID money was sent to Alabama to help many situations related to COVID. Mm-hmm. Hospital care, people getting ready to be evicted from their homes to help small businesses, any number of reasons. Now, when the federal government say it was illegal for Alabama to even allocate that money toward prisons, then what we're told, the taxpayers will have to pay that money back. Mm-hmm. Because they want to use it as quick as they possibly can. But they don't care that those taxpayers that you're asking to pay that money back are some of the same people that's got a that had COVID, survived their hospital stay, but now they got a medical bill that is out of this universe to mm. pay off. Mm. They mm. don't care about them. You know, they just want to get their hands on this money to spend it for how they want to spend it. And as one representative said last night, you don't like COVID, you don't like President Biden, you don't like anything that he's doing. But you like the money that he sends to the state that all the legislature has to do is pass a bill and allow you to spend it however you want to spend it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I got. I got to tell you, one of the most Alabama things I think I've ever witnessed is uh, is the Alabama governor saying, uh, telling the feds that the feds can't tell us how to spend federal money that they're sending us. I mean, that's just you know, it's just a, <laughs> they, live a, they live in a different world from the rest of us, and and they're within their own little cult like world that they live in, uh-huh. and they just it's no rhyme nor reason to why they do the things, because to say, to look at the DOG, Department of Justice report, it says building new facilities will not address their issues. Their issue says that what's happening in our prison system is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Conditions like understaffing, cultural management deficiencies, corruption, (laughs) training, Non-existent investigation, violence, illicit drugs, sexual abuse. It goes on and on and on. And when you ask, well, can't we do, can't we start working on some of this now? So, Representative Moore, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, uh, just flummoxed by this whole thing. Not really. I'm being facetious. But, yeah. but, 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 but in all seriousness. You mean to tell me that the fiscal conservatives, the so-called fiscal conservatives <laughs> that populate the legislature in the majority party uh, have no problem with the idea that they're trying to spend money that the state is going to ultimately have to pay back in all likelihood? The fiscal conservatives have no problem with that? Well, they hadn't been fiscally conservative since 2010. <laughs> if you look at the number of bills they pass, they'll call it a fee, but it's a tax. So somehow or another, their constituents believe that there's a difference in the fee that they say they pass and the tax that was really passed. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they haven't been there. And I can tell you one thing I've observed. Uh, usually we get a, a report that says that uh, revenues for the state of Alabama are coming in as predicted. Now, this is a craziness we learned this week. We learned that one of the reasons they want they think they can use the $400 million is due to revenue loss. Now, all reports we've had, including when we passed the budget this mm-hmm. year, it said we got sufficient revenues and excess revenues, mm-hmm. and that's why we're able to pass the budget. So when they looked at what the federal government had, they said, well, wait a minute. Yeah, we got revenues in, but maybe we might have underestimated how much the growth should have been. Say we said the growth was going to be 2%, and the growth should have been 5%. So we had 3% loss in revenue growth. So therefore, they had a loss in revenue growth, so that gives them right to use this $400 million. One other excuse that we heard from one or two of them was that the revenue loss came from the fact that so many people died versus the number of people being born. So that's where the revenue loss came from because Mm -hmm. it's the first time in the history of Alabama we had more people to die than were born. So, you know, when you got that cult-like mentality, there is no reasoning, mm-hmm. and uh, that, and you talk about critical thinking. They're mm-hmm. not doing any critical thinking. Mm-hmm. They just do what they're told to do, vote the way they're supposed to vote. Because my question, haven't some of the people you know died with COVID and didn't have health insurance? How is that debt going to be paid? Right, right. How do we keep some of our, more of our rural hospitals, the few that's left open? How do we keep them open if we don't help them clear, clear up that debt? See, mm-hmm. you know, Representative Moore, before you came on, Josh and I were talking in the first segment, and we, we basically both agreed that when it comes to uh, this whole prison situation in our state, our state is just one big plantation. I mean, that's what it, it is. It is. You know, the only difference may be that some of the peacher, some of the people that are in the quote, quote slave category right now are not just black people or people of color, but poor white people as well. And what you've just talked about to me 
is a great example of that because whether it's whether it's the uh, you know the convict leasing, and that's what I'm just going to start calling it, Josh. is convict leasing. Oh, that's, Whether that's it's what the convict it is. leasing that's going on with the prisons, you know, in terms of uh, of how prisoners are being, you know, uh, uh, you know, leased out essentially to whether it's to other governmental entities or to corporations or whatever for 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 fractions of pennies on the dollar, or whether it's the, the, the debt encumbrance that is going to result from the action that is currently being taken, it's all just one big plantation. And that's exactly what it is. And I'm glad you mentioned poor whites because last this past session, you know, they had us divided up in little rooms because of COVID. Well, the young men in the room where I am, I'm always concerned why I never hear the Republican Party talk about poor whites. Mm-hmm. So I asked them since we were in our little closed setting, what are you what are you all going to do with poor whites? I said, because when you all pass pieces of legislation that you think are hurting black and brown people, don't you know they're hurting poor whites? And what they told me was that the party don't allow them to speak specifically about poor whites. It's as if their only purpose is to cast a vote out of ignorance because they don't give them truth. And as long as they can keep them in that position is like a, what an attorney told me that black people suffer well, mm-hmm. but poor whites suffer well too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's a sad situation in this state that you got a leadership that really don't care about the least of these, but that same leadership claim that they got a monopoly on Christianity. Yeah. 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 It's uh, you know, I, I tell you, this, I, this is one other thing that I wanted to bring up about this, this prison deal uh, here. And um, you know, because what's all, what's been curious to me about this whole thing is how adamant the Republicans have been about getting this, this particular prison plan done. Um, you know, which, which, you know, let's be honest, if we actually look at it, I don't think a lot of people have, have looked at the actual details of it because we've been so amazed by the egregiousness of it overall uh, that we, we've forgotten that it also removes essentially the bidding process for contractors uh, out of this and, and does the design build uh, in there. Um, you know, and I, I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything nefarious taking place there, but whenever I found, whenever there is a situation like this where you have a, you're going to spend a boatload of money to do something that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and doesn't really address a lot of the problems that you're, that you're trying to address. And you can't explain it in any sort of terms. And any, anytime you try to, they tried to explain it, it always came out in this gobbledygook sort of thing where it always just, it, it, it backfired on you. Steve Klaus was trying to explain yesterday about how this was going to solve the overcrowding problem. And Chris England said, how many beds are we going to have? How many extra beds are we going to have? He said, well, actually, we're going to lose beds. Uh, so, you know, so obviously that wasn't it. And so they, they can't, you know, project this coherent message of why this is a good plan for anybody. And whenever that happens, it always seems like on the backside of it, somebody or a few somebodies goes to prison for public corruption. And, you know, I just wonder if you get that sense. We do, and and I say it that over and over again because you got to think about this. At first, uh, the governor was going to, when they gave her the authority to come Mm -hmm. up with a new prison plan, and it was going to be privatized. But even think about that plan, y'all. They were going to use taxpayers' dollars to pay off a loan to four banks to build some prisons. Mm -hmm. After the prisons were built, they were going to deed those prisons that taxpayers built over to the contractor. (laughs) And we would turn around and lease it from the contractor, but the debt was going to be paid off by taxpayers. So where was that leasing money going? And if you read this bill, it's got some leasing all the way through the bill. Lease, 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 lease by this authority that they have created. So I, I, I have that 
uh, strong belief that that's what's going on. And as you say, every time they've come up with a big plan, somebody or somebody's have been indicted. And because <laughs> yes. they own the court system, now the black somebody's that have gotten indicted, we yeah. go to jail. Exactly. But all of yeah. theirs get, you know, a suspended sentence and they are released at home to, I saw one come up during the session. I thought he was in jail. But he's walking around. And I'm saying, man, you're not in jail. The rest of the black people in jail. I'm just at, I'm just at home, you know, and going to grandchildren. What? So what happens in, 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 in this sense? And the question is, how long are Alabamians? going to sit back quietly <laughs> and let this Ponzi schemes that they're pulling on us continue. Mm -hmm. Say it. Say it. That's, you know, it. So that's my it. concern. It's a scam. Say it. I love it. It's a scam. Yes, you know, I, I tell people when you talk about poor whites, I was in line a, a year or so ago doing Thanksgiving to, to purchase Thanksgiving food. And a little young white lady in front of me was telling the clerk, she and her husband have been married about 15 years. And out of a 15-year period, that was the first time in their life they'd been able to buy a turkey to cook and eat at home. They had been going to various churches and people who served Thanksgiving meal. That hit me to the core. Mm -hmm. That hit me to the core to say, wait a minute. Let me just pay for that turkey, and you use the voucher to buy something else. But people, when we're elected officials, we're elected to take care of the citizens of our state and our country. We're not elected to, when you look at the number of our elected officials that come out of these offices wealthy. Mm -hmm. And then Sweet. poor people who have been fed misinformation, just out and out corrupt information, sitting there with their heart in their hand as they vote, thinking they are putting people in office who care about them and they don't care one little bit about them. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, this is my daily, this is my daily mm. struggle uh, with people, uh, you know, and, and trying to convince, uh, trying to convince a lot of people who look like me that they should ignore this this rhetoric uh this racism the you know the the misuse of the bible uh the yes. i mean it is yes. uh, it, it is a daily struggle and they have listen the, the other side of this has done a great job you know the con men have done a, mm -hmm. a fantastic job and it's a and it is it, true what they say it is a lot easier to convince somebody uh to be to, to trick somebody than to convince somebody that they've been tricked mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. uh and so i you know i don't know how we how we get to this point but maybe over the course of time we can whittle away at it uh you know and i I, I, you know, because otherwise we're just going to continue down this pathway, uh, you know, whether it be the gas tax or, you know, uh, I mean, uh, think about that. Think about the gas tax and that you've essentially yes. taxed working people to go to work every day. Mm -hmm. That's what you've taxed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and moms to carry kids to schools. And that's mm -hmm. that's the tax that you've imposed on people and, instead of figuring out a better way to do this. And, uh, you know, maybe by fixing our property taxes that are the worst in the country. Say it. Uh, that's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. And. You know, it just, uh, but you know, you get into you, people, people like us, we don't get the alpha endorsements. I'd say, I would yeah, say. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, you just have to, it's got to be people that don't have a conscience. I tell my constituents all the time, I'm a retiree from the Department of Veteran Affairs. I say I have to pay as much, I pay much more in federal taxes because I'm in the legislature. But I tell them at the same time, I'm willing to do that sacrifice and pay the federal government monthly for being a legislature because mm -hmm. all my life, you know, I've just, even as a child being a part of the civil rights struggle, my thought was then maybe if we could just show them, show people how to treat everybody right, it's not difficult to be kind and say, look here, that person needs some help. Let's give them a helping hand. Mm -hmm. But for a government to be just silent to the economic suffering of a whole state, of a whole state, 
and they 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 can't they can't relate and some of them have grown up out of poverty but yet and still they cannot relate to what people are experiencing now they can't relate to an education system in a state that's completely broken mm-hmm. when you got babies i'm in birmingham in our school system we got babies that's going to school they get the COVID. They take it home to their baby brothers and sisters that's under two years of age. Mm. Children's Hospital have had these babies and some on respirators. But then because of the way the system is designed, we got superintendents across this state still willing to sacrifice teachers, sacrifice babies, and let them go into an environment that they haven't even attempted to correct. Mm. You know, they won't put the air purifiers on their air conditioning system. That's a start. That'll help out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so that just to do the just do some simple things to protect your teachers and your children. They might be able to stay in that classroom if you just do the cleaning and the protection of putting those air filters, some of that COVID money. Came down right. to all of our schools. There you go. To properly equip those schools so that the children could come back. There you but go. We haven't done it. So it got, comes from the state and it goes all the way to Washington. You get yeah. there, you got people who say, oh, yeah, we believe in this, but we're not going to vote for an infrastructure program. We're not going to vote to make sure there's health care and safety for our citizens in, in, in the United States. Somebody says it's as if it's a it's a it's a population cleansing program. Yeah, but yeah. only the strongest will survive. Mm. Well, listen, uh, uh, Representative Moore, I, we really uh, I really appreciate you, you coming on, and and more so, I really appreciate you, your voice. Um, yes, and 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 speaking up the way that you do, and. Uh, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry that we're, we're getting out of here. We, we got, okay. we're kind of up against a hard break here and we got to, we got to, we got to scoot, but, uh, I'm, uh, we, we really, really appreciate it. And I, and personally, I really appreciate the work that you've done, yes. um, and, and continue to do and the people and the ideals that you represent. And I hope you keep speaking up and, uh, you'll have a place here with us anytime you want to come on. Amen to that. Thank you. Thank Amen you so that. much for the opportunity. Absolutely. As Representative Mary stay Moore. Safe. All right. Yes, ma'am. We're gonna try. We're you gonna too. try our best. You too. Uh that is a Representative Mary Moore. She is fantastic. Uh, and that. um uh you know, I hope people take to heart what she said. We're gonna we're gonna slide out of here. We'll come back, wrap this thing up in just a minute. Out on politics this week. Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us, subscribe to us, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks. All right. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Uh, really appreciate Mary Moore coming on and, uh, yes. and being, being good as always. Uh, b- before we close out here, uh, and we're going to do a right wing nut a little different because we've got a, a few right wing nuts and it's uh, <laughs> uh, the Alabama Supreme Court. Um, but minus surprisingly for this this edition only, I think, probably <laughs> uh, Chief Justice Tom Parker, um, uh, you know, uh, he of the, the famous uh, Confederate flag photo. Uh, but mm. the, um, the our I, th- listen. I have long said, long said, I did. I've dealt with courts in this state for a long time. Really love, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big law and order 
uh, guy, and I don't mean that in the Trump way. I mean that in the TV show way. Right, um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so I love court shows. I love, uh, you know, lawyer books and, and all that sort of stuff and, and follow up, follow along with it and really get, you know, I, I just I love to go and just sit in the courtroom and watch things go down, you know. And, mm. um, and so I, I'm familiar. I'm not an attorney. I just play one on Twitter. Um, and. <laughs> Our Supreme Court is the worst court that I have ever encountered in in my life because mm. it is so political. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it the the decisions are based on ideology and not precedent in a, in a large number of cases. Um, they 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 make crazy things that uh, decisions and rulings on stuff that fall way outside of previous precedent, just based on who the hell's in front of them. Uh, you know, we have allowed our court system, uh, to become so politicized through, uh, because they all run in campaigns and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and solicit donations and, uh, you know, and so you'll have lawyers that have donated to the judges practicing before the judges. I mean, and it's just insanity mm-hmm. to me. Uh, you know, I'll never forget a judge who I liked, who I liked one time, and I had this argument with about because a major law firm in Montgomery was hosting a fundraiser for him. You know, I mean, that, and that law firm was going to practice in front of him thousands of times over the course of the next several years. And yeah. I was like, man, that, that can't be fair. Well, it's only, it's only unfair if, uh, if I do something that's unfair. And I said, that's an insane way to look at this, you know, it and, is. Uh, but mm. uh, you know, you wrote a, a, a really, really good column about uh, what, what happened uh, at our Supreme court last week. And this is, again, it's, it's just, they're just making shit up, man. They're just, they're, they're completely tossing out previous precedent as Tom Parker, of all people, noted. Uh, I mean, honestly, I can't wrap my head around that sentence. Um, that and said, you know, you're you're basically hiding everything from the public, and, and they're ruling in in this case with the the uh, the lag lagnap. Is that uh, lagnap? You know, I don't know French, and so I was actually yeah. going to ask you if you knew how to pronounce. It. <laughs> I still don't know. I, I know how to write it. it. I don't know how to pronounce yes, it. Yes, you know, I I would so, say lagnape or something like that. Well, I don't know if that's right. Well, I, I don't know either. We'll, we'll go lagnap. Well, it's a uh, weekly in Montgomery. It's a weekly in the Mobile area. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a paper down there, and they, they and they do they they really do good work. Um, uh, and they sued uh, uh the local sheriff. <laughs> Huey Hoss Mack, real name Huey Hoss Mack. <laughs> Jesus Christ! If that guy's not in a black and white photo with a dog barking at a black guy, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, it, they they wouldn't turn. There was a shooting, and they would not turn over the investigative materials related to the shooting. Uh, you know, and and so they sued them uh, for this stuff. And yeah. in this ruling. Uh, just to cut to the chase of this, in this ruling, our Supreme Court, in its infinite political wisdom, decided that the exception in there that allows for investigative materials to be uh, to be held out of the open records law covers everything. And I, and I don't say that jokingly. It covers anything that they collect, even records that they didn't produce. Uh, you know, dash cam and autopsy records, autopsies. It covers autopsies, uh, medical examiner reports, everything that they would collect and put into the file, no matter where it came from, is now yeah. protected, and you you don't have to disclose it to the public. Oh, the it's just insane. What a yeah. It's truly mind blowing, and I'm just I'm kind of chuckling to myself as I watch you have a conniption over there because <laughs> I share your your frustration. And conniption your is appropriate, by the way. <laughs> conniption is appropriate. I just I've got the flailing no, arms and everything. It's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it your reaction is completely justified because not only does this, you know, you don't even have to be a lawyer to see how problematic this is just from the standpoint of transparency, accountability, and, you know, the fact that we're supposed to be a democracy. Mm-hmm, all right. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, on top of that, the court actually uh, seems to ignore bla- brazenly, I would add, 
seems to ignore its own previous ruling yes. about, you know, and I understand it may not have been the exact, you know, the, the, the same justices that are there now are not necessarily the ones who ruled before. But, but you know, Supreme Courts are supposed to be institutions, right? Mm-hmm. Institutions that respect their own precedents. Yep. And in this case, this court is brazenly disregarding its own precedent re- related to the Open Records Act. So, as Tom Parker, again, much to your shock and much to mine, as Tom Parker emphasized in his, uh, in his dissent, he said, this court has repeatedly emphasized that exceptions to the Open Records Act must be narrowly construed in favor of disclosure of records. Yep. There, yeah. to me... That's it right there in favor of disclosure. Mm-hmm. And that's what they have, that's what they have dramatically, um, brazenly ignored. And they do it in a way that I think disenfranchises, as you were saying earlier, Josh, really disenfranchises, you know, not just the press and the media, but citizens. Yes. All of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's and that's the that that's just always been the part that that drives me so insane about open records laws. All right, is the indifference of the the voting public uh, towards these laws. Whenever whenever they hear something, there's almost uh, like whenever they hear a journalist bitch about this this sort of stuff. There's almost this this little bit of glee that they have that they think that somehow this is hurting us. And oh, poor, poor media guy can't get his hands, you know. And it's just like you're a moron. This is for you. This is for you. All right. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that at some point this will come back to bite you on the ass. It, you know, whenever you close these things off like this, it's gonna come back and it's gonna cause you problems. And and the other thing that drives me insane is I'm about to have another full blown conniption fit here over this is. <laughs> The indifference people have towards laws that now favor police and police secrecy. What is wrong with y'all? What 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 world are you living in where this is okay? Where you can hide? Where they can hide everything? You just watched a cop murder a guy in his home in Huntsville. That's you right. just watched a cop murder a black man steps from his doorstep in Montgomery. You've seen him cover up all sorts of things. Look at the deal that happened in Chicago where half the damn police force ought have been should have been fired for trying to cover up that killing of a kid. I, yeah, I mean, they were going around confiscating yeah. security videos, for God's sakes, to try to cover up for their buddies. The, what well, you, are cops doing that well, should be secret? What are they doing that we shouldn't be able to see? Yeah, and and I think what what has really happened is, unfortunately, Josh, okay, so this is a problem without question with our leaders, our elected officials, appointed officials, and our government, without question, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they know what they're doing. But the other part of the problem is that the general public apparently didn't take social studies or history. (laughs) And so they don't understand, apparently they don't understand what the the relevance of, of, of constitutionality considerations, and they also don't understand the historical trend, the drift that often happens in so-called civilized societies and even so-called, and even so-called third world societies towards fascism. Mm-hmm. They don't really understand it, apparently. And so they don't understand that with these sorts of decisions, we are moving, we are drifting, albeit slowly, but we're still drifting in the direction of fascism. And we're getting closer and closer to the point where we're going to be a police state. Mm -hmm. Or worse, if we don't stem the tide, if we don't push back on these kinds of rulings, Mm -hmm. then we will become a police state. Or, or even worse, a police state governed by a dictator or something. Mm-hmm. And as we saw from January the 6th, we're a few blinks of the eye from that based on, you know, who's in office and, and, and what kind of mindset they have. 
So think about that. What a horrible combination that would be if we had some Donald Trump-like person, you know, trying to be an autocrat, you -hmm. know, and then we have a police state where, you know, the police basically have carte blanche to do whatever they want and cover it up and, and we have no say in it and we're just subject to it. I yeah. mean, my yeah, God, you're, is that America? You're, you're right. You're right about uh, about what the imagery, especially of January the 6th and stuff, and, and you look at it. I mean, you know, when in the hell had, did, did people start waving a flag with somebody's name on it mm-hmm. for, you know, in, for political office? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. yeah, putting a sign in your yard or wearing a T-shirt or something. Okay. You know, I get that. When, when in the hell did we start putting flags and waving them like morons yeah. uh, all over the place and treating this person like it's, you know, honestly, it's, they, they, they've divvied it up as though it's college football, uh, you know, and, and they've become fans. And, and no, now, no matter what happens on, on this side, you're a fan of the team. And so you can't criticize the team or you might be off the team, um, you know, and, and it's just uh, it's in the, the insanity of it all to watch this go down and to watch people be to be fooled and tricked into giving away their rights to voting against their self-interest to I, I, this is an argument that we have. I have constantly with people. And, uh, you know, it just is I, I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. I cannot wrap my head around this this love of, you know, a party over other people. I, listen, I you know, I, I tend to agree with a lot of Democrats, but I'll tell you, there's two that I hate really passionately right at the top of my list right now. Uh, you know, I don't know that I'd hate Mitch McConnell more than I hate Kristen uh, Cinema and um, uh, uh, Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin. Uh, yeah. at this point, uh, you know, because... The, those two people have the ability right at their fingertips to change the course of the country. Um, you know, they really do. They have the ability in their fingers right now. If they just change their minds, they have the ability to, to change the course of this country and they won't do it because of their own self-interest. And that to me is deplorable. You know, it more, I'll say in a lot of ways, more deplorable than Mitch McConnell, because I think Mitch McConnell actually has an ideology for the most part that he believes in and he believes is right. And that's the reason why he does a lot of the awful crap that he does as much as I disagree with him. Uh, But at least, at least he's not selling out what he believes to benefit himself. And I think that's what those two people are doing. Uh, But, you know, that's that's just my opinion, and everybody else can agree or disagree. I, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, but I, I just this this th- whole thing highlights, I think, a problem of where we've lost our way with our government, and and the way I think we've lost our way is is that people have forgotten that it's a representative government, and that means that the the folks that you're supposed to be electing aren't on TV saying dumb shit, okay? They're representing things that matter to you every day. You know, what lowers your healthcare costs? What helps you with your job and your training? What gives you better schools and better roads and and creates a better life for people and people like you? And that, to me, is where we have lost ourselves in this. And... You know, I, I party or no party, it just there, there. It seems like to me again that there's one party that's still representing that, and then there's yeah. another party that's playing a team game, and they don't really care. That's, I mean, I I agree with you 100. percent And I mean, I again, I you know, I value history, and so I remember when the Republican Party was the party that was championing. Uh, the abolitionist movement that was championing, um, you know, uh, the union. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, to me, you know, I'm, 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 I'm with the Democrats at this point because of what the democratic party represents. If the Democrat party, if the democratic party does, uh, what, uh, the Republican party did in the, uh, in the 1950s, and if it's, it is decides to drift away from civil rights and gay mm-hmm. rights and some of these other issues that I believe in and religious freedoms and some of these other issues I believe in, then, you know, I won't be a Democrat. You know, yeah. for me, it's about the issues. What do you stand for? It's about yeah. what you value. And, uh, and so uh, I look for affiliations based on that. 
not based on who the team is because right. the team, you know, teams, you know, they change, they come and go. Yeah. We've seen that through American history, at least when it comes to politics. Yeah. I am. Uh, I think the best way to put it is I am a Dolly Parton Democrat. And, okay. uh, I like you that. know, and yeah, I, I you know, I, I put the people first. I would yeah. like for them, uh, for, for people to, you know, to be left alone. Uh, for you to treat people with dignity and respect and for everybody to legally, legally and within reason, you know, look out for themselves, yeah. uh, look out, look out for themselves and your family and the people closest to you uh, and everything will work itself. That doesn't mean be selfish. It just means, you know, vote for things that matter to you, because if you do that, then they're probably going to matter to the guy that lives down the street from you uh, and works in the same industry as you. And you're all going to, it's all going to benefit people. And if you happen to be in the majority, then that's the majority that gets helped. So and I think that's the way we're supposed to operate. I, I love the fact that you use Dolly Parton as a, uh, because I, I love Dolly Parton. I think she's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I love her for her politics more than her music, quite honestly. <laughs> but but let me just say this. Now, you know Dolly Parton goes to church, right? Oh, yeah. You're not a church-going person. I'm not. I'm not. But that's fine for her. But, but, you, but you're still a Dolly Parton Democrat. That's right. See, to me, that, to me, Dolly Parton represents exactly where the Democratic Party ought to be. You can love God and go to church, but you can also love people regardless of race and sexual Mm -hmm. preference and gender identity and fully embrace people being who they are. That's Mm -hmm. where I am. So I'm I'm a Dolly Parton Democrat in that respect, too. And vice versa, if you're a person that doesn't go to church, you don't That's hold right. that against somebody who does. That's and, right. You know, and exactly. you know, that, that doesn't automatically make them a, a you know, somebody that you're going to disagree with. That's uh, right. You know, it's, as a matter of fact, the way that I view it is, is that person that's in church should believe mostly the same things I do if they read the red parts of the Bible. That's so, right. You know, that's right. That's, yeah. But that's just us. Hey, that's it, listen, man. That's it. You got uh, you got that's prisons. Uh, you got uh, a little legal talk. You got Dolly Parton, and you got a little spiritual lesson at the very end. So, <laughs> you know what? I don't. There's nothing else we can do. We're gonna no, get out. We've, all we've right? covered all the bases. We've covered everything. All right. Till next week. Uh, actually, uh, we're off next week. So uh, yeah. until the week after next, uh, you guys be safe out there. Peace. Peace.